Hey, loyal listeners. I promise that our, well, my, sound quality will become less terrible by episode four. Truthfully, I'm a bitch on a budget, and I only got decent recording equipment by the time we recorded episode four. That being said, please don't write us off just yet. I promise it does get better. Without further ado, it's time to tune in to the next episode of Love at First Screening. Welcome back to Love at First Screening. I'm Madison Hill. And I'm Chelsea Ciccone. And today we have for you music and lyrics. But like the film, we're not singing. I mean, I have a guitar right here. We could. All right. All right. (laughs) Do you know any Taylor Swift? (laughs) Only Taylor's version. (laughs) You're, Madison's a, a much uh, bigger T-Swift fan uh, than I am, but yeah. I know a few. I mean, when it gets to a level of neuroses like mine, that's when you have to call your therapist. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Self-care. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever works. Let's jump right in to music and lyrics. A film featuring Hugh Grant as washed-up pop star Alex Fletcher and soon-to-be famous lyricist Sophie Fisher, played by Drew Barrymore. Uh, It was directed by Mark Lawrence. He is an American director, screenwriter, and producer, best known for his fabulous films that he wrote, including... Miss Congeniality, and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous, featuring Regina King. Incredible. I love Miss Congeniality a lot. It taught us how to sing. It ties in. (laughs) Best uh, known for his work with Sandra Bullock, um, and also Hugh Grant, because he also directed Two Weeks Notice, in which they were both featured so this film came out in 2007 and like i said it's about a washed up pop singer uh a la my mom's gonna hate me for saying this duran duran uh (laughs) and a woman who comes to water his plants uh with her own uh hypochondriacal tendencies he finds out she's a wonderful lyricist and he's in need of one because he has been tasked to write a new song in like a week for the hottest new pop star on scene, Britney Spears. I'm sorry, Cora Corman. <laughs> the, the dancing, very uh, slave for you. So I now get the joy of guessing if you, Chelsea, liked this film. And drumroll, please. I think you liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, you know, is it my favorite film? No, but I, I, it did not make me want to punch a hole in a screen, the screen of the television. It did, you know, I, I found myself laughing quite a bit. So it lived up to that uh, comedy uh, part of the genre. Um, I have some, I have some notes, but overall, I, I, I did like the film. So 
Yay. Wonderful. I'm so <laughs> glad you actually, <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, you know what? Hugh Grant is not that much of an asshole in this movie. I know there are definitely things to address, but I don't think that it's nearly as bad as your previous favorite and only other one we've talked about. You've got mail. No, this was a huge improvement on, on you've got mail. I told someone, I said, look, would it be my pick for movie night? No, but if someone else picked it, I wouldn't, you know, leave. (laughs) You'd stay for the popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody suggests you've got mail, I'm just like, you've got to find a new friend. Um, I will not be watching this. And the fact that you want to makes me question my decision to ever hang out with you. I think my favorite thing is um, Chelsea and I are also in a book club and it came up that we watched You've Got Mail and one of our book club friends was like, oh, yay. (laughs) And Chelsea's face just fell. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. yeah, look, I love that person. If you're listening, you know who you are, and I adore you. I disagree with you (laughs) about this film. I will continue to be your friend, but I I don't like that movie. Uh, Well, so what were your initial impressions of this movie? Okay, look, it got me immediately with, um, because we start with Pop Goes My Heart, which is just ridiculous. And it's ridiculous for a number of reasons. Like, clearly it's trying to be, you know, like, it's an 80s pop band, which is its own brand of ridiculous. Like, you know, uh, if we look at, at uh, you know, who would be their contemporaries, you know, you're gonna, you know, that the hair the ridiculous dance moves, the this particular, like, music video... All great stuff. Uh, what a time capsule. Um, but also the fact that Hugh Grant is very clearly at least 20 years older than the people he's with is its own special brand of uh, funny. Um, and like, I know why, obviously. Like, it's supposed to be the 80s and we're jumping forward to like his actual age. But, you know, I respect the fact that for the comedy... Uh, or maybe a lower budget. They didn't cast someone to pretend to be young Hugh Grant. They're just like, we'll just move forward with uh, the Hugh Grant we have and just put him in a ridiculous wig. And um, also, okay, that song has been stuck in my head. (laughs) It's not even a real, like, you know, so I'm just like, pop goes my heart. Also, the whip, like, there's a a whip crack, because it's like, pop, goes my, yeah, that, the whip crack, it reminds me of, um, I was in orchestra in uh, middle school, and we did a Christmas concert, and what is that song? It's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like, even you, so there was someone that had, like, this little wood clapper that was, like, clap, you know, but anyway, I mean, that, honestly, that would have, I think, really improved the hilarity if someone was doing that in the music <laughs> video. Um, initial impression uh, of, you know, first starting, um, I, I loved uh, Drew Barrymore's character immediately. Just the, the like, world, like, she's like a tornado of chaos. 
I also really the like the physical comedy of him not telling her to not put her stuff on the piano, him just taking it off and like her just continuing to put everything on the piano and just still talking and like this is the first time she's ever met this person and she's just you know like I hope you have your own watering can because the last guy blah 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 um and he's also in the middle of like a business meeting like I don't it's just it was really good um so I liked that I think the introduction to everybody was spot on also like the the battles of the 80s has-beens um and then it's boxing which I'm like why would anyone watch that like I, I don't know why anyone would watch someone they've probably forgotten about do something they were never famous for doing, but okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about other stuff, but yeah, that's... My initial impression was like, okay, this is definitely... I think I'm gonna like this more than... Certainly more than You've Got Mail, um, you know, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, um... Gosh, one, what 80s has-beens do you want to see boxing? I don't know. I don't know that I can come up with an 80s has-been because I feel like anybody I would know that's from the 80s probably... I don't know if you could consider them a, a has-been. Like, they're probably still doing something or... Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I'm trying to think of anybody that could fit. Can you... who who? Who's an 80 has-been that you're interested in seeing boxing? Or even can you just name an 80s has-been? Yeah, that's the problem is that I'm convinced that the 80s will never die. So at the at the end of the mm. film, they announce uh, Billy Idol versus Adam Ant. One, Billy Idol's winning that, hands down. I saw that man perform in 2015 at, at Music Midtown. Had to be in his 60s by then, right? At least. And he was shirtless. And I will say this. If I look that good at his age, I'll just walk around topless too. He looked okay. great. Um, but that being said, I don't want to see him boxing. I'm just not interested in boxing anyway. And I feel like boxing has a very like niche audience. Like, They should have them do something like... Um, what's that show where they like have to jump across obstacles and not fall in the water like that should be what they're doing w wipe out yeah yeah exactly um okay so let let me walk you through just moments that i noted that i felt were crucial to the plot what is your opinion on plants making women more comfortable um, my exact note for that was I think they make queers more comfortable too, because we we like plants. Uh, everybody, all of my queer friends, uh, they're plant people. I it's not exclusive to our community. It's just you know. Yeah, you can be an ally. People like plants. <laughs> <laughs> Even allies like plants, Madison. Um, it's, it's, I've seen that meme, I think it's like a, a, it's like a meme or something that's like, pets are the new children, <laughs> and plants are the new pets. Exactly. It just shows that you can keep something alive, and that's endearing, you know? 
Oh, she has a beautiful succulent. You know what? I would show you the giant snake plant that I have over here. But one, it's not mine. I've just been fostering it since May. It's now September. So I've been keeping Oliver alive, but he's a hardy snake plant. His parents are in Europe. Mm, this is this is Chainsaw. Um He's he's spiny, and I picked him out at the farmer's market because he looked like a dragon. Um, and he's named after uh, Ronan Lynch's raven in um, the Raven Cycle. So, anyway. Amazing. Plants. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my... Okay, but to answer your question, my initial thought was, why doesn't he just have fake plants? Like, if he's not going to water them, then I don't quite understand. Like, and look, I, I'm not trying to take jobs away from people. Clearly, there is a thriving plant watering business. And honestly, that sounds like if I lived in a city and that is something people wanted, would love to do it. Uh, but I'm just like, practically, I'm like, why, if you yourself don't actually enjoy the plants... Then just get a fake. There's some convincing fake plants, and not just convincing to people that don't know what they're doing, like Sophie and watering fake plants. <laughs> yeah, no, he he has money. He could buy the good fake plants that are like very convincing. You know, they've got like texture. They've added some kind of like dewy thing to them, so they always look like they're a little bit wet. Um, I think that would be great. Yeah. So my yeah my my reaction to that was like, okay, I understand, but yeah. Just get some fake plants, dude. But then we don't get the meat cute. I mean, okay, yes, I'm just saying. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I'm just saying, like, if I was, I don't know. I, just get some fake plants. <laughs> the introduction that we have of Cora Corman, played by Haley Bennett. What is white women's obsession with appropriating Buddhism? I don't. I do not know Madison, but I was just like, I don't understand. I also don't understand what she's supposed to be dressed as. Because like, if you had me guess, like if you just showed me a photo, I'd be like, is she supposed to be wearing leaves in the wilderness? Like, it, I mean, she's not wearing leaves. It's just kind of green, but I don't, I don't understand her outfit. Uh, I mean, I understand it from the perspective that they want her showing as much skin as possible, but like it could have literally been any color. So I'm the shimmery green. I don't understand. Um, but yeah, also, also the sexy Buddhist monks. I don't quite. Yeah, that's not that's not a thing. That whole sequence. And I feel like, OK, so this is really interesting. So I was trying to like write you have Hugh Grant and what's his face? Chris taking in this scene that we're also watching this Buddha's delight section and their commentary is like it's nice to see a young woman getting into religion but I feel like in 2007 the like silence is just supposed to be about the like sexy dancing whereas I feel like I feel like, but I also, I don't know that you, you are appropriately uncomfortable about the fact that, like, she's clearly bastardizing an Eastern religion, um, and 
appropriating um, a culture that's not hers. And I'm not even, like, it, it's the problem, I mean, aside from the obvious, the the problem with appropriation is that it's not, like, it's just kind of cherry-picked and then you don't actually understand the the meaning behind things and you don't I'm not explaining this correctly I'm just trying to get the point across that it's not just that like this is not your culture it's also you're doing it wrong and also you're bringing it in influence is I also looked up because I wasn't familiar I looked up because one of the lyrics is like show me the eternal fire and I was that to me not not knowing anything about Buddhism seemed more like Christianity, but I did look it up and it it is a thing. So I was like, all right. But yeah, I was very uncomfortable with the monks. Um, I don't, yeah. How about white, maybe white women? How about you don't? <laughs> are you, are you trying to, let me get this correct. Are you insinuating that monks who fam- famously take a vow of abstinence are not allowed to ride, gyrate, and generally express their sexiness in a pop music video? Yeah, I... I... limiting. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't think that that's, um... I don't think that's super appropriate. So, I want you to know, though, that this movie is automatically cursed. The moment it does... Regardless of the scene with the bad hot witch lyrics, regardless of the sexy monks, this movie is automatically cursed simply by the appearance of Matthew Morrison. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't. I've never trusted that man, not a second. I don't know what it is about that Justin Tim- Timberlake ripoff, but he gets my skin crawling. Especially in this film, he he has the like that same haircut. You know what I mean? Like that. I think this era, they look the most like each other. Yes, the the ramen noodle vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the pronunciation of of real. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> Avril Lavigne rolling in her grave right now. She's still alive. You had to fight Lyme disease to get there, too. Well, speaking of a cultural appropriation, um, you know, the all the uh, hella... What is it? I, it was... I don't... I haven't listened to Avril Lavigne since, like, 2010, but... Um, that's a guesstimation, but um, I know some of the newer-ish albums featured, like, Hello Kitty had, like, the I think like Gwen Stefani had like the Harajuku girls that like were basically an entourage of Japanese women that just followed her around and were contractually obligated to only speak Japanese in public um which is really weird and messed up but also I know that um Avril Lavigne had a, a similar like backup dancer uh like I don't know if they were specifically Japanese women, but they were um, East Asian uh, women that were in these uh, films and, like, questionable, at best, uh, content. Um, 
so yeah, uh, you know, I, I actually, so now I'm thinking that the, the, whether they knew it at the time or not, bringing up Avril Lavigne was appropriate. <laughs> it was on theme. Yes. Okay, then that gets me to my biggest gripe about this movie, and I want it noted, um, I really like this movie. It might just be because of the earworm, it might be because of Hugh Grant's gyrations, um, and those wrist flicks. Wow really revs an engine not mine but an engine um why do we need the weird uh diet culture overtones in this movie yeah is it 2007 is that what it is i think it's because it's 2007 but yeah that was one of my gripes about this movie was um why do they own a weight loss business like they like because i the i the only important part of of that plot point is that like she does the marketing so they literally could have had any business in fact why don't they own like an independent greeting card company like then it would be you know she writes these little poems or something like that that was literally the only like in terms of being important to the plot that was the and i'm like but they didn't it didn't have to be a, a weight loss business like yeah weird diet culture stuff that's not cool that I yeah I was just like what is this <laughs> and um now it's time for an ad break this episode is brought to you by weight not with their 74 calorie chicken meals now you see what it is is it's a single piece of unseasoned chicken and a side of sadness they can be shipped to your door today for the low cost of twenty nine ninety nine a meal. Yeah. Okay, but seriously, just real quick, let's actually talk about the 74. Because that's at the very end. There's like a quick fact that's like the 74 calories. That ha- That's like what? Yeah, one unseasoned chicken nugget? Like, I don't understand... <laughs> Yeah, that like that's not a whole chicken breast. A whole chicken breast, even if you don't do anything else to it, has to be more than 74 calories. And you're certainly not getting any sort of side, even like a green vegetable, because that would definitely add at least 15 calories. So absurd. Okay, anyway, the, the point uh, that we're both trying to make is that diet culture is awful and a scam and has caused disordered eating uh, for a very decades. Uh, I'm not going to say a millennium because it doesn't exist long, <laughs> but certainly a very long time. Oh, uh, yeah, no. And honestly, you know, again, why do you need 74 calorie chicken meals when you could dance off those calories with that hip popping? Well, apparently the hip popping is dangerous. What's his face is having his hip replaced. Two, two of the band members, the guitarist. And the, uh, and Colin, good old Colin. Uh, but Hugh Grant's hip is fine. It's fine. Yeah. The next thing that I wanted to uh, bring up is in true rom-com fashion, I really did love the rearranging of the room scene. Because you see them both kind of like meet in the middle. And I'm like, oh. That's so cute. He's rearranging his life a little bit and she's bringing in her chaos. Okay, I guess this is as good a time as any to tell you that while I did enjoy this movie, one of the things I didn't, I was not convinced of and it didn't like work for me was 
this being a romance, um, I think I, cause it like, I mean, I knew that they were going to be together because this is a romantic comedy and that's how they go. And there was no other, you know, person in sight, but like actually watching this, the only reason I knew that they were going to kiss was because it's a romantic comedy, but I did not feel it. It didn't work for me as a romance. Um, in fact, I think I would have enjoyed the movie more if they had just been, like, a weird, like, fast friends. Like, just, you know, this person walks into your life and they're just, like, here to throw down in the middle of a random restaurant when you're disgusting. Let me write a, a semi-autobiographical novel. Walks in uh, with his intellectual uh, highbrow friends. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I might as well say that cause I know this is all about romantic comedy. So the romance, it, it wasn't as confusing as you've got mail in terms of me being like angry about it. But I, sir, I was just like, I don't know that having them actually be romantic partners added anything to this story as opposed to being platonic friends. So yeah, I don't know. I wasn't like rooting for them to be in like yeah they're cute together like they you know they but i anyway i think i've made my point i don't <laughs> i think that that is a perfect segue into discussing how this film is or is not technically a rom-com by our rom-com criteria excellent just to remind everyone uh, we established it in the first episode. But our rom-com criteria is there has to be heavy themes of a romantic relationship with at least one romantic pairing that is central to the plot. I agree that the romance is not central to the plot. Yeah. It, 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 to me, this feels like a comedy and then they just happen to... Have sex underneath the piano. Okay, but I'd like to point out they could have had sex underneath the piano and not gotten together. Like, that was also an option. Oh my gosh, Chelsea, this is a 2007 Hugh Grant flick. If he has sex with the woman, they have to be together. <laughs> uh, real quick, I know we're trying to get through this criteria, but I think another reason it didn't work is because, like, okay, so, the you know, they this all happens in like a 36 hour period, like, or something close to that, like of them writing. And that's how they're like getting to know each other and blah, blah, blah. But then from the time they start having like creative differences, they've already slept together at that point. But again, that still doesn't mean it's romance. People have sex all the time and it's not, it's not romantic. Okay. I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but <laughs> definitely happens. Um, so like, in terms of, like, the, the stakes, I, I wasn't invested in it. So, like, when you get to the end, like, yeah, I wanted them to make up because I wanted him to apologize for being awful and, like, basically saying the worst thing he could to her. But, like, it wasn't, oh, no, but they're soulmates and they need to be together. Or, or but they were such a good couple. Like, I don't think enough time had elapsed for me as an audience to to want them for for romance reasons you know i either want her to go her separate ways because you know don't let a man treat you that way or have make have him 
be like, I'm sorry, and actually mean it. Question, I, I, yeah, I don't think that the, the romance is not central to the plot. If you got rid of the romance, nothing changes about this movie. But Chelsea, music be the food of love. No. Play on. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I completely agree. Um, I don't... I think the closest themes to romance that we have is obviously the construction of the lyrics with it being a love song. Um, and I think, honestly, as far as pop songs go, and as far as this song being written for a movie, um, I think it's actually a genuinely good love song. I liked it. I mean, look, when you told me there was going to be music, I was a little nervous because movie musicals, especially when, like, they're not meaning to... Well, and I didn't know if this was, like, meaning to be a musical or, like, what it is where it's, like, there are songs because of it's makes sense for the plot, you know, um, for what they're what's happening. But I was nervous because I'm like, uh-oh. I, you know, sometimes... It's not convincing. But I, I'm like, I, you know, I could hear that song on the radio. And thank goodness, is all I'm going to say, that they did not let What's-Her-Face, Cora, uh, record the, again, different culture. She added, like, some kind of, like, I don't know. Are you saying you didn't like the sticky and the steamy? No. Mm-mm. No, I did not like the sticky and steamy. Basically, it was a audio porn. I did not enjoy that. I'm just like, I don't know what's happening to you. To you. Yeah. It was not good. I, di- I didn't like it. So I, I'm glad that uh, in the end, we just sang it the way Alex and Sophie intended. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, um, there's also, like, the scent, like, you would categorize a romantic, or this weird categorizing, a romantic comedy, as having central plot points, like, conveying courtship, where there's, you know, the tension and a climax that centers around the courtship, and technically, in a way, there's, I guess you could argue that the climax does center around their courtship, but it's more so about their partnership not their courtship because there's not real it's not like they're going out on dates in this movie no they're all of the like getting to like it yeah it's about their partnership it's not about so okay but then i guess the question is can there be unintentional courtship or is courtship an intentional endeavor can you date someone without knowing you're dating them i did actually go on an accidental date once yeah i had a uh you know what he will be unnamed for his anonymity give give him a fake name um alfonso perfect so alfonso we were friends um we had previous dalliance several years before um and mom we just went out for milkshakes um but we had a previous 
dalliance beforehand. And then years later, it was actually two years ago, I had just started dating uh, the guy that I'm still dating now. And Alfonso is like, hey, I'm going to be up near where you work for whatever reason. We should get a beer after you get off. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's meet at this uh, bar. Uh, It's really chill. One time I almost got a sugar daddy there. That's another story for another day. And I was like half, I was literally wearing like yoga pants and a tank top that says bitches against bullshit on the back of it meeting this guy with my hair in a messy ponytail and halfway through like having beers with him I was like oh he thinks this is a date because he's like oh what are you doing after this we should really hang out more often oh the check is here let me buy your beer it's the least I can do well let me walk you to your car and I'm like damn it, I've been bamboozled. And I think you're also asking the question that all infatuated teenage girls want to know about, like, the guy that they've got a huge crush on and they go out to, like, Dairy Queen or something and they're like, I don't know, is this, is this Eminem Blizzard? Does it mean something? Is it, is it meaning something? So maybe the, maybe the interaction with Sloan, maybe that's a date. The Adventureland concert, maybe that's a date. Well, okay, I would I see the the argument for the Adventureland concert being a date because there's definitely a like it's the morning after and he's like, Why well, have this thing to do? And then he's like, Well, you could come with me. That feels more like an invitation for it to be a date. Uh the dinner where they're out with his manager whose name I keep forgetting and his date who at first I thought was his wife, but then I realized, no, he's divorced and I don't know who this woman is, which actually makes the interaction funnier because this is not like, (laughs) I don't know how many dates they've been on at this point where she's having to like switch clothes with a random woman in the bathroom. Also, okay, what I need to say is that I, I don't, can we, can we get rid of, and I know this didn't turn into like an all out brawl, but can we get rid of this like, idea that like we need to throw punches at people when they're being I don't I don't love that the basically like inciting incident for for their quote unquote romance to finally like take off is that they run into her ex and then he tries to fight him in this fancy restaurant He is being a dick, and he did deserve to be slapped upside the head, but I don't like that he's the one doing it. Like, I would much rather she... And actually, I think what I would have preferred in this situation is, like, okay, fine, she's not ready to confront him, but, like, he started to, like, basically give her speech to him, and I would have preferred that to play out as opposed to, like, let's... We're men, and we must fight now. I don't like it. And then, okay, because literally the only reason it's a fight is so she can put ice on his face. And I'm like, I, and then they kiss. Like, I was annoyed. I was like, <laughs> it would have been better if, if like, she, you know, he, she runs a, out and he meets her and he's like, you know, says that. And then, like, in a moment of, like, oh, my God, you did this thing for me, then kiss him. I would have preferred that. 
would I prefer the, would I like think it's a romance or like, was would I be more invested in the romance? Maybe, maybe not, but I would have preferred that setup than let's get him hurt so she can hold ice on his face. Yeah, no, I think one, if, if we could alter it to make it more romantic, I agree. I think I would have rather him have pulled up a chair, stood on it, and then loudly and proudly monologued what she wanted to say to him. And I wanted him to repeat it verbatim. Um, yes. Because I think that would have been a really great moment. And instead, his face was in the butter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have, we, we definitely have the comedy. So it has the comedy part of romantic comedy. What I'm struggling with is the, the romance is definitely not central to the plot. Because even afterward, you can argue that their, their disagreement and the kind of like third act breakup sort of thing is more about the fact that they have differences in their opinions about how to deal with clients then it does, like, yes, there is personal stuff being thrown, but, like, a business partner could do that, too. You know, like, I don't think that that's, again, I, I think you can take away the romance and what happens still all makes sense, so. I mean, it could actually be a secret retelling of this Stevie Nicks, Lindsay Buckingham story. And if they... <laughs> and <laughs> the romance comes out when they put out rumors. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Just imagine Drew Barrymore writing and singing Silver Springs. I'll let that sit with you. Great. So the last criteria being the comedic elements of the snappy dialogue. I think we have the physical comedy in this movie truly was really good. But Madison, I... I think it definitely doesn't hit the romance to the plot, and it it only maybe, you could argue, hits that courtship is uh, prominent, or whatever the second one was. So I don't know that this is a romantic comedy. But it has Hugh Grant in it, in his rom-com era. Hugh Grant in his rom-com era, plus a movie with, a love story or a romantic coupling in it does not a rom-com make. That was not the criteria. <laughs> that was not the criteria. The criteria clearly shows that I think that this is a comedy, but I don't know that it is a, it's not a rom-com. I understand. So while this movie was liked, it didn't meet the criteria. And so I think that Chelsea still has not found a rom-com that she likes. Yeah, I this this wasn't it. So, well, we're going to have to just keep going cuz I I liked it, but it's it's not a rom-com. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, last time you did three fixes. Do you have any prominent fixes to how you want this to go? Okay, great. I'm so glad you asked. Um, so I don't, my, look, my fixes for this movie are not as dramatic. Like, I, I think that you can, any of the, my dislikes or, like, things that I, I think I could have done without, you could just remove them. Uh, or you can uh, reposition them uh, in a way that is critical. So, like, the cultural appropriation in uh, 
pop music. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could, you know, redo this and, and be a little bit more critical on screen of it than we are. Um, but I think if I was going to redo this movie, my, the number one thing would be I wouldn't have them be a couple just because I or or if I was going to have them be a couple, I think I would add something that made it more purposeful. Um, I don't know. It just sort of felt like, well, they have to be in love. <laughs> also, and, and this is just a personal note, I, I don't know that we have enough films uh, and or media in general that uh depicts like really meaningful platonic relationships or like I feel like a lot of times we fall into this like in order to make us understand what these people mean to each other we almost use romance as a shorthand for that and I I think that does a real disservice for the various kinds of relationships that people have with one another and I think that there are other ways that we can explore those relationships that allow you to understand how important they are without relying on like romance as a be all end all like that's why oh they're the most important people in each other's lives and so therefore they are romantically involved because that's not true um I think there's a lot of I think I I would wager that I, I, I have a lot of very important friendships in my life um, and that have always been, uh, you know, more important to me than than other things. And um, I'm, I'm not discounting romance. I'm not trying to say that romance isn't and those romantic partnerships aren't important. But I yeah, I just I, I don't think we give friendship and other types of relationships their due. So, you know, uh, in a different world, if we did this movie, I, I would get rid of the the romance and because again I don't think you're gonna lose anything I think you can have them have this really they're very compatible uh like a musical duo and uh so yeah so I would get rid of that um I would if you are gonna keep the romance we're definitely gonna we're gonna change uh how we're doing it we're gonna get rid of this uh bar fight scene it's not a bar fight but you know because I don't like that we're definitely going to get rid of the um, the uh, diet culture stuff. We're going to get rid of the cultural appropriation or we're going to be more purposeful in how we uh, critique it on screen. I also, okay, the other thing that I didn't like was all the digs at her sanity. Like Alex is constantly like, oh, if, yeah, she'll be here unless the mothership is called, like, which I didn't love. Like, I don't, don't she's not crazy like and you can she's sure is she odd yes but crazy and odd are two different things and I think that um we can describe her and her like we can pay we can look at how eccentric she is without being like she's crazy so yeah I could have done could have done without those yeah I mean I think yeah so if we get rid of those things and possibly also the romance then I think that we've improved the movie um, I would like a reunion scene with Pop at some point, and I would like the main guy to, like, be in a wheelchair, like, after recovery, <laughs> or, like, in a cast or something, maybe. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, I think that would be good. Also, okay, every movie, every comedy needs a waterbed. Yes, that's, I really think that this um, movie captured uh, physical humor really, really well. And the waterbed was quintessential to that. Every time they sat on this waterbed. <laughs> like, so of course they had sex under the piano because you can't have sex on a waterbed. That's a sport. 
You need like a you need a special license or something to do that. You need training. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity and I I'm not athletically inclined. Um, those who know me know that I'd probably end up dying. So um, where do you even find one nowadays? Like, Okay, no. So I looked it up. I'm like, do they still make waterbeds? Because waterbeds, I feel like, had a very specific moment. And like they are, I, I, my, I had a friend whose parents had a waterbed. Um, and when you're a kid, that's just like, it's like a gymnasium you're just like or like a a playground thing you're just like oh my god and I also I I think I had a friend at some point that had one and they're just like you're just like sloshing around and if I recall correctly I think my father told me I think after he left the navy he had a waterbed but then he got rid of it because it was he's like I don't want to keep you have to keep it when he would he was moving around too much and he would have to empty it and then refill it when he got to his new place so he was like (laughs) it's too much work it's too much work. He got rid of it. Um, so, yeah. But they do, like, you can buy them. They're, they, you can. You can still get them. But my question is, who has a waterbed in 2022? If you are out there, please write in to loveatfirstscreening at gmail.com. We want to know. Uh, tweet at us uh, at laughs. I'm sorry. Tweet at us at the laughs pod t-h-e-l-a-f-s-p-o-d or you know dm us on instagram uh at love at first screening yes and i want you to know that i did a quick google search um for uh and purple mattresses uh who are a sponsor of this podcast (laughs) eventually uh it, they have a whole article published in 2021, actually, um, a year and a week ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, do people still sleep on waterbeds? They tell you what types of waterbeds there are, why people buy them, the maintenance, and how much they are. And I want you to know that waterbeds can cost as little as $50. And upwards to $2,000. Okay, but $2,000 for a bed is not actually that, like, I mean, yeah, it's pricey, but, like, if you think about some of these, like, like a Tempur-Pedic mattress is pretty, also, I mean, fingers crossed. I mean, look, we're, we're doing a lot of rom-coms. People have sex. Where do people have sex? In beds, unless it's under the piano because they have a water bed, <laughs> but... Um, you know, so if, if, uh, if a mattress company would like to sponsor us, you know, hit us up. This episode is <laughs> brought to you by Casper Mattresses, eventually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I would really love to just give a guest spot to whoever still has a waterbed. I want to know the purpose behind why they bought it, why they have it. Um, what their spinal alignment is like. Yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 okay, so water, water beds definitely predate, like, I think some of these mattresses that we have. I, I feel like, I feel like the reason we don't have water beds anymore, this is my theory at least, is that 
the mattresses we have now are doing whatever the waterbed was doing. Because, like, why would anyone think, let's basically bottle water in a giant, like, camelback and <laughs> and have you sleep on it? Like, the thought must be, like, oh, it'll, like, move and, like, curve around your body. So, like, you're not, like, you're, you're, you're not going to be positioned at an odd angle and, like, you're not going to... Um, and I'm sure they had varying degrees of success. I'm sure that $2,000 water bottle that you're sleeping on is a lot better than the $50 one is, uh, yeah, I. Do you think that he has to, he has to, although I have to question whether or not they make water beds big enough for him. But maybe he got he got a custom one. He's he's got money. It's true, and you know what? Here's the thing: he could get a. This is my theory. All right, he's got a secret low key brand deal with Ziploc, and he just had them make him a custom Ziploc bag that he converted into a water bag. Oh my god! Okay, all I'm thinking of is: Did you ever see? That movie, The Borrowers, about the tiny little family that, like, lives in the wall. Yeah, but they, like, basically, they, like, find little things. So they, like, they're eating on plates that are, like, buttons. Like, because they're tiny. Like, they're, like, little itty-bitty. They're, like, Thumbelina people, you know? Um, But all I'm imagining is that, like, if... Because I think at one point there's, like, children in the house that, like, meet this family and, like... But is like one of them just filling up a Ziploc bag to like, or like Stuart Little, like you can, and have him have, anyway, that's what I'm imagining. I love that. You could have made a waterbed for your hamsters. Oh, R.I.P. Karen and Pepper. Um, <laughs> they proved that hamsters do die in the most dramatic fashion. Okay, so other than... <laughs> The blatant um, cultural appropriation and the horrible diet culture and the constant questioning of Sophie's sanity. Were there any serious crimes against women in this film? Okay. The one that I think, I, I think we should address it. I'm not saying it's a problem in this particular sense, but I do think we should address the fact that there is a significant age difference between the two of them, which isn't necessarily a problem. There's at least, I mean, but I looked up between Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore, there's like a 15 year, I think, somewhere around there. Um, and so I assume that it's about the same based on the fact that I know that her sister's supposed to be seven years older than her and kind of figuring when he he was probably X, you know, okay. So there's probably about the same age difference. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that when they meet, he is her employer, essentially, and yeah, he brings her in as a lyricist. I, that's where I think, like, it's kind of... Like, this is why, to me, didn't outright feel like an imbalance of power or, like, you know what I mean? Unlike the relationship she clearly had with Sloane. But I do think it's worth mentioning because she was previously in a relationship that was definitely imbalanced uh, that now she's uh, with this guy. Um, and like, 
I mean, she definitely, I mean, she said no to him originally, like, oh, I can't do it, blah, 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 but I'm not saying it's an actual crime in this particular instance, but I do think it's worth mentioning. All right, and then um, finally, what is our watchability score? And just to remind everyone, the watchability score uh, is based off of Zillow's walkability score, where um, you might not have any public transportation, like 99% of America, or you might be able to walk to everything. So our ratings are one, you are stranded in the desert, two, you are at a backroads barbecue where uh, the food's really good, but someone's going to shoot you in the crotch with a bottle rocket. Three is uh, you're either in direct line of sight of the naked neighbor or you are in a strip mall in suburbia. You can take your pick there. Uh, four, you are four blocks from a transit stop. Or five, the best coffee in the city is right downstairs. Mm. So this is tough because I feel like I, I gave I gave You've Got Mail Backroads Barbecue. I'm wondering if I should have. I wonder if I should have gone lower. I'm still convinced there's probably a worse movie out there, but uh, <laughs> I'm so looking forward to that. I think I'll probably give this one, since I was generous last time, I will give this one four blocks from a transit stop. I'll give it a four out of five. Oh, nice. Very nice. I think I will... I'll agree. Um, I want to also specify that the time of day that you're walking to it there are no creepy cat callers along your route. Um, and, you you know, it's like April 25th, the perfect date. It's not too hot and it's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. That guy also directed this movie, so. Exactly. We loop it back around to Miss Congeniality. That's actually what this whole uh, episode's been about. It's actually secretly yeah. a plug for Miss Congeniality. I'm on Sandra Bullock's bankroll. You can tell by mm-hmm, the luxurious mm-hmm, yeah. studio apartment I'm in. Okay, and I, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I also want to say that Drew Barrymore's delivery of please take that back broke me. <laughs> Drew Barrymore is such an underrated actress. I like to chalk it up to the fact that she was like a real wild child with the drinking and the drugs and the sexing and everything in her teens and early 20s and everyone's like oh we're just gonna write her off as a waste away socialite and then she's like actually bitches i'm super fucking she stars in my favorite cinderella story 1993 yeah 1993 ever after is a incredible film i i'm going on record saying it's it's that's also got some really good it's very quotable uh and i enjoy it i enjoy the whole thing so and that and i you know that's got romance in it definitely would not describe that as a romantic comedy in any way shape or form but i will say though that um drew barrymore was part of um, oh God. my earliest what? childhood traumas i have only ever watched et once It was when I was, like, five or six years old, 
and I ran from my father's lap screaming and crying when that wrinkled ball sack of an alien appeared on screen, especially when he got like the scene where he was sick. No bueno. And I've had a fear of aliens ever since. Terrified of extraterrestrial life. So we do have to blame Drew Barrymore for that. And I will be talking about I mean, about she's like three years old in that film. E.T. was also traumatic for me. My aunt took me to go see it. They must have like re-released it in the theaters for like an anniversary or something. My aunt took me. I'm like sobbing because... An alien is an animal, and I never cry when humans are do- die or are maimed. But if you harm an animal in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to sob and I'm going to demand my money back. Um, like I, I need my money back for the therapy, so that, <laughs> that I'll need after watching this. But I, my aunt loves to tell this story that she took me to go see this, and I'm like crying. And then at one point, I like reached up and I poked her in the eye because I was probably six. I poked her in the eye because I was trying to see if she was also crying <laughs> because I'm like, well, I shouldn't be the only one crying. <laughs> and then she likes to be like, and I told you afterwards, I'm like, I wouldn't take you to a film where if there wasn't a happy, I don't know how she phrases it, but I would also like to say, look, I, okay. I, I'm going off on a whole tangent here, um, but this is related to the animals thing. So uh, it's known in my family that I have a lot. I have a beef with my grandmother because <laughs> she uh, she rented the movie Eight Below. And if you don't know what that movie is about, it's about like a, a, a dog sledding and, and um, spoiler alert, but also content warning. Not more than one dog dies in the course of that movie. And the first one dies and I got upset and she was like, it's okay, Chelsea, it's fine. And then another dog dies. And then an- and then I got up and I-, I stood up on the couch and I went, I'm never going to trust you again. And I left the room. And yeah, I've never trusted my grandmother since. Because <laughs> she lied to me. She told me that no more dogs were going to die. And they did. How can you trust someone like that? Oh, God, now I have to look at our list and make sure that there are no significant animal deaths in these movies. Otherwise, you're going to be like, nope, I'm packing up and going home. (laughs) Okay, I believe in one of these movies, a bird is shot. I think I'll be able to handle that. Okay, and it's comedic. It's not like... I mean, I'm so glad animal death is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> also, another side tangent. I mean, nothing's funny. Do, do you watch such a sex education on Netflix? Okay. Anything Emma Thompson's in, I'll just, I'll just pull my eyes out of socket. Emma Thompson's not in that. I love that one. It's, it's. No. Oh, yeah. Jillian Anderson. That's who it is. You know what? I get them mixed up all the time because my love for them equal in but they they kill a cat and this isn't like a spoiler for the plot or anything but they kill a cat and it's like meant to be funny and i'm just like that was so unnecessary i was ve- i mean my sister told me about it and i knew where it was and i just skipped over it but i was like i'm not a fan netflix thank you <laughs> i have my aunt got me a shirt in new orleans and it says um it says something about, I don't care who dies in the film as long as the dog lives. Those are my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> that is 
Yeah, no, that's, um, I want it noted, too, that we are not sponsored by Netflix. Specifically, we turn them down because of the Yeah, the animal media. cruelty that runs rampant in their, in their uh, media is just unacceptable. It doesn't align with our values. <laughs> I, I... We turned down millions. Well, we turned down millions because I really value getting through a movie without having to watch a, an animal die. That's why I stopped watching them. I started watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, but they killed a dolphin, and I was like, I can't watch this. That's that's very fair. That's very fair. Just a quick recap. Um, our sponsors for this are uh, 74 Calorie Chicken, uh, Purple Mattresses, Casper Mattresses, Waterbeds, retailers all of them any retailer that sells water beds ziploc michael phelps and certainly not netflix <laughs> did you look at the at the posters in the weight loss there they say wait not want not why not and i'm like anyway i just pointing it out okay <laughs> so madison um, Yes, Chelsea. What are we going to be watching next? We we went from 1998 with a real bad one to 2007 with a pretty good one, although not a romantic comedy. True. Okay, so I thought about this a lot, and I think that um, the way that I'm doing this is maybe picking it is more well-known maybe a little less known. So now we've got to go back to really well known. And that means that we have to go back in time to 1990, the year Bo Burnham was born and the year that pretty woman came out. Okay. So we are watching pretty woman featuring Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. There are going to be so many crimes against women. And it's going to be great. I was so excited. I think we're going to have to find a guest star. Or a guest... Because I've I've seen Pretty Woman more than once. We will. We will. So, next time around, we'll have someone else joining us for our first guest speaker. (laughs) Has your sister seen Pretty Woman? She's absolutely seen Pretty Woman. Ah, you know what? I don't think my sister has. I think maybe we can get her. I'm excited to meet your sisters. (laughs) Oh, I'll have to see if she'll do this. We'll have to see. This might this might be all for naught. Or this first one we're gonna episode three, we're already breaking our rule. I know. Gosh. All right, (laughs) all right. I'm gonna call her up. We're gonna see. All right. All right, well, everybody, um, uh, like we said before, if you have a waterbed, please, please, for the love of God, email us at loveatfirstscreening at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the laughs pod. That's T H E L A F S P O D. And finally, our Instagram is also at love at first screening. So. Slide into our DMs. Tell us about your waterbed and everything you <laughs> do with it. No, never mind. Take it back. 
tell us what you do on the waterbed, but please tell us if you need to be lifeguard certified to do anything um, of a dalliance on it. <laughs> and um, special shout out to Alfonso. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah.